The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. First and ten, Vandenberg. Oh, Weisman giving it right back to the quarterback. Wide open down the middle. It's Catton for the touchdown. Give Weisman the assist. 47 yards. When you're running the ball as well as Weissman is, as well as this offense is, the safeties, the corners, everyone has to pay attention to the run game. Iowa jumping on Minnesota. Got your flea and your flicker and a 17-0 lead. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have our weekly reporter's notebook segment in this podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' decisive homecoming win over the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the Big Ten opener for both teams. And during this bye week, you'll also hear from Iowa's offensive coordinator Greg Davis and defensive coordinator Phil Parker. This Hawkeye's Mike program is one in a series of our regular weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbinot and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters including the Gazette's Scott Docterman, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. The Iowa-Minnesota game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mowens and Joey Galloway. Let's just say they're a work in progress. Nevertheless, we very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. With the Hawkeyes' bye week, we get the chance to hear from Iowa's offensive and defensive coordinators. First up, offensive coordinator Greg Davis, who was asked about the flea flicker play Iowa successfully ran against Minnesota and what other tricks might be in his bag. We have several things that, you know, obviously that that we haven't done that we've been working on. We actually installed that play in spring training. And so we've had it for a long time, and uh, we were just waiting for a situation that we felt like, you know, it, it was ready for. There's other plays like that that we'll continue to use, and and the same thing with no huddle. We've continued to work no huddle. I think who knows over the last part of the season, but I think it will be a bigger part of what we're doing as we continue to go into again the strength of the schedule. It's something we've kind of jumped in and out of a couple of times, but the kids have no problem with it, the execution of it, and so I think that's something else. So, you know, we'll continue to do more of. Davis talks about Iowa's running back situation when Damon Bullock returns, given Mark Wiseman's success in the backfield. I'm not so worried about carries and things like that as uh, things that we can do to affect the defense. For example, if we can put what appears to be a, a base formation, two backs, a tight end, two wide receivers on the field, with Mark being the fullback, Damon being the tailback, and then the next play, the same groupings out there, perhaps Damon's a wide receiver, you know, 
using the personnel to best fit the situation is is something we're going to have to do. In terms of both of them getting carries, uh, you know, what we've always done and, and uh, what Kirk has always done is, you know, you give them both opportunities, who gets hot, and, uh, you know, then you ride that guy for a while. And, but it would be good to have two guys back there that have done it a little bit. Davis responds to criticism that quarterback James Vandenberg has a tendency to lock onto his receivers and discusses what his quarterback does when he comes to the line of scrimmage. Well, we don't have enough time to, to, to cover all those things that he's looking at. Uh, you know, it depends run or pass, but obviously if you're talking about pass, the first thing that the quarterbacks are taught to do is, you know, where's my protection problems? Because, you know, there's always an opportunity for them to be a, in a protection situation. So that's that's where everything starts. And then after that, uh, there's various kind of reads, whether or not we're fulfill reading based on rotation or whether or not we're in a progression kind of read. And uh, I, I have not felt like James was locking on to someone uh, through the first five ball games. The one thing that happens with a guy like James is that he does so much study uh, during the course of the week. A lot of times he's getting a pre-snap tip as to you know what he feels like the defense is going to do and that pre-snap tip will you know in some cases can eliminate progressions so a lot of times he gets through his progressions pretty quick but uh, I, I don't think that's a that's a problem I mean I think he's you know he's used his eyes to, to move people away something we'll continue to work on and Davis talks about the development of his offensive line you know we, we had several new starters you know to start with and nobody wants to talk about new starters so I'll be glad to but you know sheriff was starting at left tackle Blythe was you know brand new Van Sloten was was even though he's an older guy was early playing so we only had two guys that had really started uh, a bunch of ball for us and and it just takes a while for that group to gel I think one they've worked extremely hard uh, I think obviously Brian has done a good job with them and they're just continuing to grow and and they're playing at a they're playing at a much higher level now than than at any point in camp or or in the opener and and I think that will continue to happen it was a shame that Blythe got hurt but at the same time it gave us a chance to uh, play Andrew Donnell and, and he played well so that's one other guy that's now in there and and that you feel comfortable that, you know, can go in and, and be productive for us. Next, we hear from defensive coordinator Phil Parker, who was asked about the eight-man rotation in his defensive line. We've been uh, doing a little bit more rotation here in the last couple games here, and Reese has done a good job of getting those guys prepared to go out there in situations, whether it's two or three plays at a time that they go out there, but it also gives our guys a rest a little bit and have a little bit more energy when they are on the field. So that's definitely uh, a thing that we we were planning on doing at the beginning of the year, and we've done it a little bit more towards the uh, last couple games. Here. Parker talks about the pressure his defense is getting on opposing quarterbacks. Well, you always like to have a lot more pressure uh, at times, but I think, uh, you know, sometimes when you bring a little bit of pressure, you, you know, you give up a chance for an explosive play on for the offense. And, and that's something that we, you know, you go back and evaluate it like the last five games you go through it. And every time somebody did a drive, if you give up a big play of, of you know, 20 or 15, it's the advantage of the offense, you know. And so you have to evaluate that a little bit. So you bring more pressure, maybe bringing an extra guy or even having the four guys up front giving you pressure. It's obviously you like to do it that way. But when you do it, start bringing an extra guy, you're acceptable of a big play. And then if you get a big play, I think they're about 95 percent or you even higher than that. If they get a big play in the series, they're going to score, you know, a field goal or a touchdown. 
So eliminate the big plays. That's the biggest thing. Parker responds at length to a question about the large number of points being scored in many college football games this year and in recent seasons. I just uh, happy I'm not at some of them schools that uh, play those guys. And, you know, and, and and I've talked to a lot of guys in in that regard of you know certain conferences like to go out and spread the ball, and obviously we have a lot in our league that like to do that. And sometimes uh, defensive guys think if they get three stops in them leagues that they're playing in, or the SEC or the Big 12, if you get three stops, you're playing great defense. Our philosophy is, you know, I think if the way we've been playing is uh, in the last 10 years, if you look at it, of all the spread teams that we played, okay, they're averaging 35, 40 points a game, I I think, right? Mostly the Northwesterns and all those guys that make all those, a lot of points over there. And we've been holding them way under their average, okay? And obviously we play a lot of plays against them and they do get a lot of yards, but it's not like a lot of points. So I think some of those teams and the way we play, we play a little bit differently. We play heavier on the you know on the interior line over there. We jam receivers in the back end a little bit better than a lot of guys and match up with their routes, which have been able to be effective for us, and that's the way we see it. And I think that's where you eliminate you know them high scoring games. I think a lot of those teams over there and they run the spread offense. You know you have to be one of three on offense, and if you just keep throwing the ball and you got those athletes out there, they're going to create big plays and explosive plays, and sometimes you know they're 80, 90 yards, and it's only one play, and then they go on to the next play. You know, it's, that's the way society is today is they want to see a lot of points scored uh, instead of a boring game maybe like us a little bit as far as, you know, keeping it nice and tight and on defense and keeping guys in front of you and make them complete the balls. Because when you do throw a ball, you got to complete it. they got to throw it on target. They have to be able to catch the ball. And then, you know, our guys are going there and try to hit them and knock the ball out. And it was a great opportunity for us this week. We had, you know, three interceptions and, and a fumble recovery, and, and one went for a touch on an interception. So obviously the week before we gave up 30-some points where we weren't very happy with it, but obviously we gave up too many explosive plays. But to answer your question is, you know, I think we held our own in the last 10 years, even though a lot of people don't think we have. And I know that running quarterbacks obviously give everybody, every defensive coordinator uh, an issue. How are you going to stop that quarterback if he does scramble and get out of the pocket? And that's everybody has a problem with a running quarterback. But I, I think we've been pretty good over, you know, compared to everybody else in the country. And Parker was asked about blitzes given the success the defense had against Minnesota. Sometimes it all depends on the timing of it, you know, the situation in the game and how you feel and I'm not one of those guys. A lot of times you kind of understand a little bit what they're doing but sometimes you just, it's a feel of the game and where you're at and the situation in the game, you know. Like I know, you know, at the end of the game I probably blitz one too many times than I should have and they, they scored out the quarterback for about 10 yard gain or something like that but I think it's when you use it less effect you know the, the more you use it they're going to start picking it up and seeing it and I think you know you do it once in a while holy cow it's a surprise to them a little bit but we've never been a big blitzing team I think we've been about 17 18 percent over the last couple of years and we're trying to you know that's probably right where we're at right about now too. Let's take a quick look back at some game notes and key stats from last Saturday's Iowa-Minnesota game. In what was a pivotal game for the 2012 Iowa football team, the Hawkeyes put together their best game of the season, came out roaring on both offense and defense, and put previously unbeaten Minnesota in a deep hole from which the Gophers never really recovered. As a result of the 31-13 victory, the Hawks reclaimed the prized Floyd of Rosedale and started the Big Ten portion of their season 1-0, heading into their bye week. It was the 200 
100th game as a head coach for Kirk Ferentz, and it sent a homecoming crowd away from Kinnick Stadium in a much happier mood than the week before. This game featured a lot of exciting plays on both sides of the ball, a flea flicker for a touchdown, a 68-yard pick six, stellar running again by Mark Wiseman, the most aggressive defense played to date, and solid special teams play. Perhaps the biggest concern was the way Minnesota was able to shut down Iowa's offense in the second half. While the Hawkeyes gained 327 yards in the first half, they could only muster 49 in the third and fourth quarters, and Wiseman only had five carries for 22 yards after halftime compared to 155 before. The offensive line continued to show marked improvement, and after giving up six sacks in the season opener, the line has not surrendered a single sack in the last four games. The defense was so good in the first half, Minnesota did not cross midfield and had only one third down conversion in the first and second quarters combined. Key stats included Iowa's 182 yards rushing compared to the Gophers' 102. The Hawkeyes had 374 yards total offense, Minnesota 299. Third down conversions, Minnesota 6-15, the Hawks 5-12, not really very good for either team in that category. Both teams were 2-2 in the red zone, Iowa sacked Minnesota twice, and the Hawkeyes swarmed for four turnovers, three interceptions, and a fumble, including a terrific interception by linebacker Christian Kirksey, who returned that pick 68 yards for a touchdown. Iowa's three starting linebackers combined for a total of 27 tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for loss, plus Kirksey's pick and his fumble recovery. Revenge is so very, very sweet. Play action and going deep for Barker, and he's got it at the 25-yard line, and now we're going to say he couldn't hang on. This may be an interception. This ball did not hit the ground. This this might be a really nice play by Tanner Miller, and it's one foot in bounds. He got one foot. He got his butt down. I mean, I think this is a clear interception. After further review, the defender did catch the ball in bounds. It is an interception. So after two and a half minutes, they reverse the call, and it will be Iowa football with the Miller takeaway. Time now for one of our weekly reporter's notebook shows with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back in detail at the Minnesota game and more. Steve, a pivotal game for Iowa, and as we discussed last week, is close to a must-win, as you can imagine, at this stage of the season, and the Hawkeyes came through basically in all three phases. Yeah, they really did. It was a good week of growth for, for a young Iowa football team, and, and uh, certainly a needed situation going into a bye week. Uh, I think probably the worst-case scenario would have been sitting at 2-3 and three with a with two weeks to stew over it and uh, uh, and two losses in a row, and, and, and they came out and, and took care of business in the first half. The second half, it showed that there's still some work to do, but uh, definitely uh, some growth. What do we know really about this team? I mean, which is the real Iowa football team? The team we saw against Minnesota or more the struggling team that we saw in some of the non-conference play? I think it's a little of both. I think what we have learned about this team is that the defense is going to be pretty solid. Uh, they've been very consistent from, from week one, with, you know, with a few exceptions. And But it has been a fairly solid defensive collective type group. And, and I, I think it's uh, they're setting a tone for this team right now, along with the play of the offensive line and, and the running game. I think those are areas where we can sit at this point and say, okay, pretty solid in those areas. And 
and it, it certainly gives both sides of the ball something to kind of build around. I was, uh, uh, you know, the emergence of Mark Weisman at running back, uh, given the and, and really the emergence of Damon Bullock before he went down with the head injury, uh, working behind a uh, an offensive line which has just been blowing open some incredible holes, has really, uh, you know, set a, set a tone and uh, provided an opportunity for for some time to to kind of get the the passing game going, and 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 that's something that uh, remains a work in progress. But uh, uh, we saw a little growth at, at times on Saturday, and and I think you know that will continue as, as the season progresses. Uh, defensively, uh, this has been a pretty solid group so far. I think they rank 21st overall right now nationally in, in total defense. You know they haven't exactly played a lot of offensive juggernauts yet, but uh, they have met the challenge and, and kept teams out of the end zone. And, and when you're playing defense, that's that's the name of the game. Yeah, as good as everybody felt after the game Saturday, the defense pretty much showed up the entire game other than maybe that last drive. The offense, however, struggled again in the second half. The Hawks totaled 328 yards in the first two quarters, and they dominated in every important statistical category overwhelmingly in the first half, really. Then they only got 49 yards total offense in the second half. Was that a product of Iowa's play or Minnesota's defense finally showing up like everyone expected from the outset? Again, I think probably a combination of both. I think Minnesota brought a little more intensity in the second half to the field. I think they uh, they got rattled during that six-minute stretch early in the second quarter where Iowa put three scores on, on the board in, in, in fairly quick order. And, you know, Minnesota was a team that was kind of on its heels in the, in the first half, and I, I thought the Gophers kind of turned the tables a little bit in the second half. They, uh, they did a nice job, I thought, with some with some corner blitzes and, and, and kind of confusing uh, confusing uh, James Vandenberg a little bit. Uh, it, it appeared that Iowa was at least trying to kind of get some things going in the passing game, and, and uh, that uh, didn't really play out, and uh, we didn't really see many carries at all after halftime, and some of that was a function of down and distance, and then, you know, some, some incomplete passes on first and second down that left Iowa in those third and long situations, which, uh, uh, you know, Coach uh, Ferentzen and uh, Vandenberg both spent a lot of time talking about last week avoiding those situations, but, you know, they were right back in them again, and, uh, you know, again, it provides some teaching moments heading into to the bye week. Yeah, Weisman again with another impressive performance. Thought he was on the road to another 200-plus yard game. He came into the second half with 155 yards, but he only got five carries in the second half and was held to just 22 yards there. Yeah, you know, some probably a little bit by design, but uh, it's going to be a long season, and I don't think he's the type of back that you can count on for 30 carries a game. I don't think they want him to be that type of game over the, that type of back over the course of the Big Ten season. Uh, you know, he had 103 yards in the first quarter on Saturday. Uh, very impressive start, and, and it really set a tone for for uh, you know that that success that Iowa had in the first half, and uh, forced Minnesota to to you know basically you know load the box, and and that certainly opened things up for for the flea flicker that uh, that uh, really broke the game open with with Jordan Cotton, and, and it was uh, uh, you know a, a type of performance that I think that uh, we now come to expect almost from a from a player who a month ago really wasn't on anybody's radar. Yeah, you just mentioned that if if this was a pivotal game for Iowa at this point in the season, was the flea flicker the pivotal play? Certainly was a it was a great call at a perfect time. It really uh, uh, caught the Gophers off guard and and, and turned you know ten nothing was a was a uh, you know fairly tight game into a seventeen zero game and the Gophers gave it right back to Iowa again after that and they put another quick six up on the board and you know all of a sudden it goes from from you know three nothing after the after the first quarter to, to 24 to nothing.
thing. And really, the game, the game, the way Iowa's defense was playing at that time, the game was well in hand. It certainly was a great call and and, and great execution. And uh, you know, and as Vandenberg credited after the game, the, the whole key to making that thing work is is the pitch back from Wiseman. He's got to deliver it in a in a spot where Vandenberg can get his grip on it and get the thing out there to to Cotton, who was who was wide open. And and you know, and Jordan, to his credit, was able to catch it, which uh, We've seen issues with with uh, catching uh, wide open passes this season already, and he did his job and, and, and took the thing to the house uh, with a, with a lot of gophers in, in distant pursuit. Now, something else we talked about last week was the involvement of tight ends in Iowa's games so far this year. Finally, we saw a little bit of that. Some big catches by both Fedorowicz and Hamilton at crucial times in Saturday's game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's something that uh, it's it's a work in progress, and it's also a function of what teams are giving Iowa. On, on the other end, and you know, Fedorowicz, uh, you know, they got him open over the middle early, and and he was able to make a nice catch, and you know, really kind of set a tone there. Hamilton has, has done a nice job with blocking, and and you know, has, has certainly was in a position to make a play or two on Saturday, and and, and converted, and that's the type of thing that will get more balls thrown your way. When uh, you know, typically Iowa has been the type of offensive team that if if, if you can produce, they're going to give you an opportunity, but it, it comes down to actually executing and. and making plays and for the guys who do that they tend to find more chances coming their way over the course of time and you know I think they're gaining confidence in some of those kids and my guess is that starting on the practice field with, with a little more consistent play in those areas which is leading to more opportunities on Saturday. Another really impressive performance by a nicely developing offensive line especially against this Minnesota defense that came into the game with a slew of sacks and turnovers. Yeah and especially when you consider that one of the starters was out Austin Blythe didn't play on Saturday. I think uh, you know Andrew Donald stepped in and it, for his first start and had had a nice debut and you know the left side of that line with Tobin and Sheriff is is really blowing open some some big holes and they're getting some help from the fullback position and also from James Ferentz in center and it, it's been a nice combination and, and if, if you look at uh, I mean you or I could bust through some of those holes and and, and pick up a, at least a yard or two I would say we probably wouldn't gain Mark Wiseman type yards but uh, the, the, those guys up front are doing a heck of a job. And I think that's uh, that's a credit to them because uh, this is a line that had a couple of holes heading into the season, and, and those guys have blended in pretty nicely, and it, it's become a, a pretty solid, you know, run blocking and, and really a pass blocking unit. They're they're doing a nice job. Iowa's defense probably more aggressive and swarming than we've seen it in a long time. Certainly this season, and maybe in several years, they completely shut Minnesota down in the first half. Very solid in the second. A very impressive four turnovers plus two sacks of Minnesota quarter. Back Max Shortell, and for the first time this season, after the emphasis on it, they shut an opponent down on their opponent's opening drive. Yeah, uh, and that's a good first step. I mean, if nothing else, it's a it's a good mental lift for for a group that uh, has struggled to do that this year. And and you know, it certainly had been a point of emphasis and and one uh, of the objectives that they really hadn't been able to achieve until last Saturday. So some, you know, some good growth from those guys. You know, it, it was a uh, you know, it was a solid overall effort against. Obviously, a Minnesota team that was was a little short-handed without Marquise Gray behind center, and and that made them a little more one-dimensional than maybe they would have liked to have been. But that certainly played into Iowa's hands, and, and you know you you play the you play the cards you're dealt on a given week, and and Iowa you know took advantage of the fact that Minnesota did not have the most mobile quarterback on the field that it could have at some points this season, and and uh, you know I think that really uh, that played well into the to the hands and the mindset of, of Iowa's defensive game planners. Shortell, though, had shown that 
he was a pretty deft passer, and I think some people were concerned going into the game that if Iowa could not pressure him, it was going to be a long day in the, in the defensive backfield. But they really combined pretty much a lot of pressure and a lot of swarming um, on Shortell, again, that we hadn't seen earlier in the season, and for the most part, shut down Minnesota's receivers. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice combo effort. To, you know, the, the fact that they were able to, uh, to you know to blitz a few times and do it successfully, and, and, and you know it's a risk reward thing. And, and uh, Saturday was one of those reward days, and and you know the timing of it was well, and, and Minnesota was really uh, really struggled to get anything going, and, and uh, you know in, in either half. Uh, Jerry Kill talked a little bit on Sunday about about you know how he felt his team was close a couple of times to playing its way back in the game, but they just simply couldn't make it enough plays to make that happen. And when Iowa did give them a chance, when you know the Minnesota defense finally started to kind of step it up a bit, Gophers were were still not able to get anything going on the offensive end. And you know that's a credit to to what those guys on on the on the Hawkeye defense were doing. What's your sense? Do you think this is what fans should expect from Iowa's defense going forward here this season? This increased level of aggressiveness, maybe a little more blitz packages? I think they're growing a little more comfortable in their own skin. Yeah, I, I do think you know, Phil Parker has kind of the uh, personality that I think would would maybe lead to a little more aggression on the defensive side than maybe we've seen in the past in terms of pressure and, and blitzing and that type of thing. You know, I don't. It's not a situation where they're going to blitz every down or you know every even every series, but it, it's a matter of doing it at the right time and, and catching people with it. And and you know, I, I suspect what we're going to see is his defensive personality develops is probably a little more of that as time goes on. Coaches get a little more comfortable with what players are capable of doing and putting them in positions to make plays. And that's uh, they're, they're kind of learning about their personnel. The, those young defensive linemen are growing up a little bit. And, you know, the, the coaches are, are, are seeing how guys react in certain situations. And, and now they can put them in, in positions where they can, uh, you know, excel. As exciting as the flea flicker play was, it was also really exciting to watch Christian Kirksey get that pick and then return it 68 yards for the touchdown. It really was. And, and Kind of a you know a game feeling thing. If you know if there were any thoughts floating around the mind about Minnesota making making some sort of a late game comeback, uh, they went out the window with that play. And you know and Christian did exactly what he's supposed to do on that on that situation. He headed to the sideline and, and and took off. And and it was it was a great pick and a, and a great and a great run back by uh, a player who had, who's been having a pretty solid season on a linebacker position for Iowa. One, one of three guys that were playing pretty well. At the positions right now. I think the only troubling thing, was there were a handful of times Saturday, again, where you saw opponents, receivers wide open on deep routes. And fortunately, from Iowa's perspective, Shortell either missed the passes or Iowa's defense was able to recover later. But that still seems to be an area of concern. Plenty to work on. Yeah. And I think it's, it's you know, it is the nature of the beast. There, it's, still a, it's still a growth period for this group as well. And and it's uh, it certainly I think is is you know indicative of, of kind of where this team is at on both sides of the ball. Uh, the, the consistency was a little better on Saturday, particularly if you look at the first half. But if you look at the big picture, the whole game still a lot of work to do. More from Steve Batterson after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 
24-hour hand sanitizer production just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times. And listen to Brent Balbinad on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinad and Camp show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Back to our conversation with Steve Batterson, who talks Iowa's special teams and the Big Ten. What do you think of Max Shortell? He seemed, I was fairly impressed by him. He originally really wanted to come to Iowa, and there was speculation about how fired up he would be for this game coming down to play against the Hawkeyes. But he, he does, by and large, seem to have a really nice touch on his passes, a really big hit at 6'6". But what surprised me later in the game, really, when Iowa pretty much put it away and Minnesota doesn't have an experienced backup anymore, was they ran him in a lot of plays. And actually, he picked up quite a few yards. He did okay. Now, he, he's one of those guys, he, you know, he, he replaced Gray last year a little bit when he was hurt, so he had some experience as a true freshman, and, and obviously he was making a second start this season, and, and uh, he, he is a he's a classic quarterback. I mean, he, he's got a little running ability, you know, he's, he's not going to be confused for, for a, you know, Braxton Miller or anything like that, but he, he certainly does have a nice touch with the ball. He is, is capable of, of running and making some plays with his feet. Not, not going to be a burner, but he's going to be a very effective quarterback for Minnesota moving forward. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, he's getting right now is he's getting some experience in, in Big Ten games that, that certainly as much as they need Gray back, and, and that was another thing that Kilt talked about on Sunday was that they, you know, they are in a position where they really need Marquise Gray back on the field just from, from a depth standpoint, if nothing else. But uh, this is putting Shortell in a position heading into to spring ball next year where, you know, he, he's going to have a pretty good opportunity to, uh, to really uh, you know, benefit from the time that he's getting now as he works towards winning that starting role in another year. Another area of focus going into last Saturday's game was the uh, kick returning of Troy Sotomayor, who seems like he's been playing up there forever, and he's really hurt Iowa in the past. But a combination of pretty solid kick return coverage by the Hawkeye special teams, and especially most of Mike Myers' kickoffs going into or through the end zone really shut him down. It's the easiest way to take him out of the game is not give him a chance. And yeah, that that really helped, and, and the, the couple of opportunities that, that he did have, there, there, there was some real confusion on their units, and some of that I think was created by Iowa's coverage, and I think some of that was just uh, kind of the way the ball bounced when, when it kind of came his way, and uh, you know, I think it's uh, keep him out of the game in terms of being a real difference maker, it, it certainly helps, and, and Iowa was able to get that done on, on Saturday. Uh, it, 
it was, uh, you know, as you said, he, he's a guy that, you know, even going back to 2008, really burned Iowa for some big-time yards. And um, he had plenty of opportunities that year. I think, I think Iowa's win that season was 55 nothing or something. It was fairly lopsided. So he had a bunch of returns to, to make. But uh, the easiest way to, to, to take a guy like that out of the game is just not let him have the ball in his hands. And, and Iowa did a decent job with that, effective enough to make, to make it count. After the discussion last week, we finally saw the first decent punt return out of Micah Hyde this season, but that part of the game still definitely seems like a work in progress. Yeah, and I thought Kirk made a really interesting point last week when, when he talked about how the rules have almost taken the punt return out of the game, how they differ between the college and the NFL game. And, you know, there, there's some real validity to that. I mean, if you look statistically across the country, there just are not a lot of huge punt returns being made anymore. And as, as Micah pointed out, and then as we saw in action on Saturday, the, you know, the primary objective first and foremost is catch the ball. He struggled with that once on Saturday, and, you know, and it's the type of thing that I think over over time, you know, coaches are, are in a position more and more, I think, that and if you can get a yard or two, that's fine, but, you know, just make sure you hang on to the dang ball and don't put somebody in a, in a in good field position uh, with, with an error or, you know, getting getting your feet before uh, in front of your arms too much in that situation. And, you know, I think Mike is doing a pretty good job of that. He's catching the ball. He's, you know, he's getting seven, eight yards typically. Uh, he busted one the other day for, for 30 and, and or 27, I guess it was, and just up, just below his career high of 30. And it's it, it's uh, you know it, it was good to see, and, and I think it's a, it's a sign of growth uh, within that unit too. And that, that's you know certainly what coaches are looking for at this point. And many of us learned something new. At least it certainly seemed that way up in the press box. There's a rule in football called forced touching. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and it came into play on Saturday, and it was, and it was uh, um, you know and it was adjudicated effectively by the officials. Uh, you know the way the rule was written, you, you're not allowed to essentially you know push what basically breaks down is to is to force the uh, force a, a player into into the ball, and and uh, there, there was some contact made, and and uh, the, the the correct call was made, and uh, you know and at the end of the day, I think that um, you know what you uh, what you hope to see whether, uh, you know, if the thing had happened on the other end of the field, uh, you know, I think Iowa fans would, would respect the fact that the guy got the call right. And, yeah, it would have been nice to kind of blow the game a little more open at that point. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a good lesson for uh, for a lot of people, maybe. I think the biggest mistake the referee made there was before they initiated the review, he said the ruling on the field was that Minnesota player had not touched the ball as opposed yeah. to the forced touching issue. Anyway, that was, that was interesting to watch a lot of instant replays Saturday, which seemed to slow that game down. Turning to the bye week here, what do you think Iowa's focus will be this week? I think this is this bye week comes at a perfect time. I think it's it's kind of midway through the season when you, when you take fall camp into consideration. So guys have been going at it for a couple of months. Bodies are tired. They're a little beaten up at this point. It's, it's a good chance for some of those guys that are seeing a lot of action to kind of step back, catch their breath, regain some help, health and, and, and get rid of some of those aches and pains that uh, that accompany the game. It's also a great opportunity for some young guys to get some extra work on the practice field. And you know, there'll be some conditioning work, I'm sure, for everybody this week. But uh, th- this will be almost like one of those early bowl practices where where some of those guys that you know aren't sitting on that first and second team on, on the depth chart are getting some pretty extensive work. And it, it's the type of thing that uh, uh, keeps those guys going. And and it, and uh, with the other guys, you want to keep them working and moving. forward 
forward. And, and uh, you know, as Kirk said after the game on Saturday, one of the things that, uh, um, you know, this team has a lot of areas where it can continue to grow. And, and you know, some of that growth will happen this week as, as the focus is maybe a little more fundamental-oriented uh, than, than in, in other game prepar- preparation-type weeks. And um, this, is, uh, this is a week that, uh, you know, I think is a very important week for Iowa. Uh, they've shown some signs of growth the past couple of weeks on the practice field. Hasn't always translated into uh, wins on Saturday, but uh, uh, the progress this team is making, you need to sustain that as you get ready for the heart of the Big Ten schedule, no question. Through the opening weekend of conference play, any thoughts on the state of the Big Ten? I, I think the Big Ten is is as uh, jumbled and as uh, average or below average as, as anticipated. You know, there were some good games on Saturday. The Wisconsin-Nebraska game was a good football game, and uh, it's kind of nice to have an 11 o'clock kick so you, you could have the evening to maybe catch a glimpse or two of it. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of inconsistency in this league right now. Uh, Michigan State is, is not, you know, has a wonderful defense, but a very inconsistent offense. And, and you know, not unlike, you know, the, the team that uh, that we've been watching the last few weeks. And, you know, it's it, there seems to be kind of an epidemic of that running through the league. And, and Wisconsin gets off to a great start at, at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska kind of shuts the run down. And, 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 and that brings to the forefront some of the inconsistencies that the Badgers have, particularly in the passing game. And, and, and it, it's, uh, you know, there are a lot of works in progress right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how things play out over the next, you know, eight to nine weeks here with, uh, with you know, what teams actually can can build on, on, on the foundations that they've started. Uh, you've got Northwestern sitting there right now, uh, you know, one win away from being bowl eligible already. It's a team in the division that's going to have to be reckoned with, and then, you know, they put 704 yards up on Indiana last weekend. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting start for a lot of teams. Michigan sitting there with two losses, and, you know, an identical record to, to where I was at. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what develops here over the next few weeks, and and which teams can make the most progress? Because that's ultimately that's who's going to what's going to determine this this race. I don't uh, in both divisions. I don't I don't think there's a slam dunk on either side. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room. So peace. Hawkeyes will take the knee, and there they go. After the last two years in Minnesota, the Floyd of Rosedale Trophy is staying in Iowa City. A 31-13 win for the Hawkeyes. Another big day for Mark Weissman at tailback. 177 yards rushing and another touchdown. Vandenberg ran for a score, threw for another. And an impressive showing by the defensive unit as well for the Hawkeyes as they hand Minnesota their first loss of the season. HawkeyesMike.com It's sports talk radio on the internet Just for you, the Iowa fan All sports, all Hawks, all the time Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. 
Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Steve Batterson, some really interesting stuff in the show. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.